0: Well, if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me in, to the book of Revelation. I want to go all the way to the back of your Bible, to the book of Revelation, uh, to almost the end of it, to chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21, I want to begin there tonight with the first verse. Probably quicker to start from the back, Revelation chapter 21. I want to read the first eight verses, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Revelation chapter 21, verse 1. Now remember, this is John, right? Uh, The Apostle John, when he is uh, close to the end of his years, an exile for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ on the Isle of Patmos, he finds himself in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and God reveals these things to him. In In chapter 21, verse 1, it says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is. The second death. Let us go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you one more time here this evening. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and for the many blessings. We thank you for the opportunity you've given us to gather here tonight, to worship you together, to fellowship together, to break your word together. God, I, I hope that none of us take it for granted what a blessing it is to be able to freely gather like this openly without fear of persecution, without fear of uh, uh, somebody coming in and, and trying to stop us tonight. God, that is a gift from you, and I thank you for it. And I thank you, Lord, for each one who fought and died and bled and sacrificed so we could have that freedom. But we know ultimately it's a gift from you, so we give you all the praise and the glory. And I thank you tonight, Lord, for uh, not only all of these things and the little things as well. Every breath that we draw, it's a gift from you. But I thank you most of all tonight for your son Jesus, Lord God, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. Lord, let us always have praise and glory on our lips for you because you alone are worthy of it. And God, as we... Uh, move forward in this service tonight. Lord, I would just ask that you would have your way and your will in our midst here tonight. Lord, if there's any obstacles, Lord, I'm asking for you to remove them. God, my prayer is that you would help us get out of the way so that you could be God of this service tonight so everything could go just exactly the way you would have it to. Lord, you tell us that your word will not return void so we know you'll accomplish your purposes. And so, Lord, knowing, that, knowing this and knowing that you're the searcher of hearts, Lord, my prayer tonight is, is that you search each one of us. God, and I, if there is anything, Lord, if you find anything in any of us, in our heart, in our life, in our mind, that does not please you, does not bring you glory, that should not be there, God, bring it to our attention. Convict us of it, Lord. Lord, don't give us any peace until we repent of it and get it out of the way. Because our relationship with you is the most important thing. And Lord, my prayer also tonight is if there's any that are struggling, any that are in need, any that are downtrodden, whatever it might be, Lord, my prayer is is that you'd lift them up, that you would encourage them. God, that you would strengthen them. Lord, that you would mend the brokenhearted. Lord, whatever the needs is here this, this evening, Lord, we're asking for you to meet them and to do what only you can do. And we'll praise you and we'll give you every bit of the glory for it. And Lord, let me ask one more thing of you tonight. Lord, I need your help. I can't do this without you. I can't preach a lick without you, and I know that. So Lord, I'm asking that you'd clear my mind of everything except for your message, your thoughts, your words. You place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak tonight. God, that you would anoint me from on high, fill me full of your spirit, Lord. And Lord, just pour it out of me, Lord, so I can preach from my spirit to theirs. And we'll all be sure and give you the glory for it. And Lord, if there's any here, as I've already said, our burden is for a lost and dying world. If there's any here that's not sure where they stand with you, God, let them get that straightened out tonight. Lord, if there's any that's lost and undone, let tonight be the night they get saved, if there's any that's grown cold, let tonight be the night that the flames are fanned. God, have your way and your will. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. And we ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. As we think about, you, you look here at this part of the book of Revelation you're seeing beyond the end of time. We're seeing some things that we normally associate with heaven, with eternity. There's lots of questions that come to mind that we have, and you know, some of them we've talked about, some of them we've debated before, some of them we've just heard people talk about, or maybe we've just thought about. We think about things like, um, uh, you know, will we be known in eternity in heaven, Right? Uh, will will our lo- will we recognize our loved ones and will our loved ones recognize us? And if that's the case, what amount? Uh, I mean, we know that there's many dying going to hell every day, right? All of us probably have got family, and, and I know between family and friends and loved ones, all of us have got ones that have died and went to hell. Will we remember that? Will we know that? Will we realize that? And if that's the case, then how can there be no tears, right? We think about questions, you know, like. Uh, uh, What's it going to be like, right? When we when we leave this world, what I mean, will God immediately bring us forward to the very end of time and to everything that's laid out here in the last few chapters? Or is there an intermediate time where, I don't know, I guess we just float around on clouds and play hearts, you know? I mean, there's questions and things that, like that that, you know, people think about and some... Don't know what to think. Some of them honestly believe, even some of the sillier ones of them. You hear people talk all the time, and this would be people that don't know their scriptures very well, but they think that when somebody, you know, dies, right, when a Christian dies, that they become an angel, right? You hear that terminology all the time. But it's simply not true. Not if if you mean angel in the sense of an angelic being, a heavenly being, you know, with wings flying around, right? No. No, of course not. If you mean angel in the sense of what the word literally means, messenger, one of God's messengers, then maybe there's a discussion to be had. So we have all of these thoughts and questions and many more than the ones that I've named here. But the one thing that I want to discuss with you tonight is eternity. What is eternity? If somebody just come up and asked you, "What is eternity?", could you answer that? Well, it may seem easy until you start down that path. What is eternity? Well, the first thing that a person could say is, "It's a forever uh, lack of time that holds neither past nor future. An eternal moment." I mean, eternity is a doctrine that we hold to, right? And that we preach and that we teach. But really, when it gets right down to it, it can be kind of hard to explain. Because it's hard for our mind, right, to wrap around an infinite amount of time. I mean, when we talk about eternity, we understand that we serve an eternal God. One who has neither beginning nor end. As a matter of fact, that right there is the holdup for some people. There's many people, right? Many of the supposedly super smart people uh, that deny God uh, because they cannot understand nor grasp an eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful being. That's just more than they're willing. They won't accept it because they're not willing to. Or they're not able to grasp it. Our scriptures show us that um, the removal of the first heaven and the first earth eliminates the fatal um, infection of evil in the cosmic order of things. Right? It gives uh, it gives way to God's creation of a. Of a new order where sin and suffering and death are forever, right? There's that eternity thing again, are forever banished. The old order was in, as the scripture says in Romans chapter 8, was in bondage of corruption right, and groaning, the scripture says, in pains of travail, right, travail is the old word for for birth pains, right, it is groaning in birth pains until now, awaiting the day when the new heavens and a new earth therein dwelleth righteousness, right, whenever it will be established uh, to forever replace the old earth and the old heavens. When the scripture says that I read to you, right? The uh, verse one starts out, "I saw a new heaven and a new earth." What does John mean when he says, "I saw a new heaven and a new earth"? By new, what he actually means is he means birthed out of the old, just as a new plant is birthed out of a out of the seed of the old. Right? We have that picture. I believe it's in Second Corinthians where Paul explains it a lot more. In detail, but we see that right. That is a picture that we should be teaching whenever we bury right our saints in the ground. When Christians die and they are buried in the ground, it is a picture of the seed being buried in the ground, right? And the shell is dying and decaying, but what will come from that, right? That's why the Scriptures teaches uh, that on that resurrection day, those graves are going to burst open, right? Because the picture is symbolic is what is being taught here. Is something new that is birthed out of the old that's much greater than the old, right? Right, we're getting into garden time. I promise you, them tomato plants with them tomatoes that'll be ripening about July is a whole lot better than them seeds that are being put into the ground now. Now, real quick side note so there's no confusion. I'm not preaching against um, uh, cremation or... Uh, burial at sea or anything like that it doesn't matter where you're at and what shape this body's in whether it's in a concrete vault in the ground in the cemetery somewhere or whether it's ashes scattered to the uttermost ends of the earth on that resurrection day glory to god hallelujah i could stop and preach there on that resurrection morning oh it's going to all come back together all right, it's all it's all going to come back together. I need to stay on track here. I want to just take off and, anyways. All right, what am I talking about? I'm talking about new heaven and a new earth. I'm talking about what it means by new, the world, and I'm going to call it God's good creation. Why am I going to call that? Because when we go back to Genesis chapter 1, each day he looks at what he'd done and he called it good. And then the sixth day he looks at it and calls it very good. But then something happens after that in the Garden of Eden that changes things and it is no longer good. But if we look back at the original creation, this world, which was God's good creation, what he's talking about here at the end of the book is not it being replaced. That is not what, it's not that the old, right? I've even had talking about eternity in heaven. I've had some people confused on this and they're wanting to know what happens to everybody, right? All the saints, all the Christians, everybody who's with the Lord forever, right? What happens as this old earth is, is completely burnt up and destroyed and the new earth comes and, you know, it's taken away and the new one is replaced. You know, do we hang out in outer space or heaven or whatever for some period of time? Well, that is taking place. But that's a misunderstanding of what the scripture is teaching here. You see, this world, which was God's good creation, is not replaced, it is redeemed. That's what the scripture teaches us from beginning to end, right? It's the story of redemption. It is everything, right? God made everything great and perfect in the beginning. And everything, sin messes everything up. And the entire story of the scripture is the story of redemption. Right? Everything being redeemed, restored, brought back to the state of it being very good. You see, if you have any doubts in what I'm saying... In verse 5, he says, And he that sat upon the throne said, All right, he that sat upon the throne said, Here's what he said Behold, I make all things new. He didn't say, I make all new things, he said, I make all things new. Do you get that? He's not saying, I make all new things, like we throw all that old stuff away and I make brand new things. He says, I make things, he said, I make, how do you word it again? I make all things new. It's the story of redemption, right? When you get saved, this physical old body, right, you still, I mean, it's not thrown away, but yet it's made new. Right? Old things pass away. Behold, all things are new. That's what the scripture says. So when we see the new heaven and the new earth, things will be eternally different from what we know today. Eternally different. Eternally changed. Completely different. So maybe... I said, I started out with the question that I wanted to address tonight. There's no way, all the questions you might possibly have, there's no way I could answer them all. Even if I knew the answers, I still couldn't answer them all tonight. So I just wanted to present to you the question, what is eternity? But maybe the better question is, what does eternity mean to us? What does eternity mean to you? What does eternity mean to me? Well, the scriptures I read to you, I think, lays that out and tells us. So let me me share with you a few things tonight. The first thing that eternity means to us is no more time. Right? No more time. you, You ever thought about that before? No more time. We will be in an eternal state. One long forever day. Do you ever think about that? When you read this, it says that there is is no night. Right? It's amazing to me. The first 13 verses of the scripture. Right? You go to Genesis 1. The first 13 verses. Right? There is light, but no sun. S-U-N. You know, big fireball in the sky, right? Star that's closest to us, right? That's burning and burning and burning. That gives us light during the daytime and then we can't see it at night because we're turned away from it, you know? That sun. First 13 verses. There is light, but there's no sun. How would that be? But when we get to the end of the book when things are restored, the last 26 verses, right? Exactly twice as long as in the beginning. There once again is light. Light. But no sun, no fireball in the sky. That's human, right? Because the Son of God is the light thereof. Right? It's an eternal light source. Right? It's an eternal day. There is no night. There is no darkness. Forever day. No more night. No more darkness. No more being late. No more being early. And there's no more being on time because there is no more time. The eternal—do you ever think about what that means? The eternal presence of God with His people forever, right? Without end. No more time. Uh, And as the Lord, as the Scriptures tells us that the Lord walked in the garden in the cool of the day, so will the Lord God once again walk with us in the new Jerusalem the same way that he did with Adam in the beginning, right? Uh, And this new Jerusalem Jerusalem that talks about here is not built, uh, it's not built like the tower of Babel, right? Towards heaven, right? Remember in Genesis chapter 11. They're building the Tower of Babel, trying to reach heaven, but this new Jerusalem is just thoughts of that, right? It is built coming down from heaven. That's God fulfill- fulfilling His promise. Is what that is? Just as the Lord God fellowshiped with Adam, so will He, fellow- so will we fellowship with Him for all of eternity, without end, without end. There'll be no, go see them in the morning. Because there's not going to be any morning, it's all day. I've wondered a lot, you know, what's it going to be like? What are we going to do in eternity? I know we're not going to float on a cloud and play a harp. I know better than that. I've read enough of the scripture to understand that. But what will it be like? Will it be like total free play where you just go do what you want, right? I've heard people say, oh, uh, you know, lots of times, right? They're going to go fish in the Crystal River, right? I've heard others uh, talk about, uh, Mr. Donkey, I've heard him talk about several times that he thinks he's going to be able to go where the Red Sea Crossing is and to see what that's like, you know, on the new on the new earth. And I've heard people say all kinds of, of, of different things, right? I, I remember Brother Jerry used to talk about he's going to lay black marks on the streets of God. That I'm not sure that you, you know that that's how it'll work. I don't know what all and how it'll be. But I know that we'll be there for all of eternity, forever. Forever. I'm not sure that it'll be free play like that, but I don't know. What I do know is that we will have complete, total, intimate fellowship with God like Adam did in the Garden of Eden. I know that he will dwell with us and we shall be his people and he will be our God. <laughs> uh, this was the original intent of creation and it will be the eternal state of God's people. I know that because the scripture tells us that. I know that this transformed world, right? Right? that's what the scripture teaches us how we're to be right we're to be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of our mind right this world will be transformed into a perfect state where christ lives with his people in complete and pure perfection i think the psalmist was seeing this a little bit whenever David wrote the psalm, and, and it's it's almost like a, a a picture, right of 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 you know what it would be like to be in perfection. But anyways, this is uh, in the sixth verse of Psalms twenty three. It's surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will tabernacle with God. I will be in His presence in immediate, uh, intimate fellowship with Him for all of eternity. In in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and verse 17, it says, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together uh, with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, so we shall be ever, so we shall ever be with the Lord. So we shall ever, all of eternity, Without end. So, what is what is eternity? Well, it's no more time. But what else is eternity? It says right here when we started out in verse one, the last three words is no more sea. Right? What is eternity? No more time. It's also no more sea. You ever thought about that? I mean, I'm I'm, I'm dumb hillbilly, but I, I kind of take things kind of literal. And no more sea says no more sea. I think it means no more sea. Do you realize that currently three quarters, right? Seventy-five percent of the earth's surface is water. In chapter 20, but it says there's not going to be any more sea after this. In chapter 20, it says the sea gave up the dead which were in it. I think it does that because there is no more sea. I know this, the weather conditions will be completely different. If we look back to the Garden of Eden, it did not rain from the sky like it does today, but there was a mist that came up from the ground, the water of the earth. I think we might see a restoration of that, right? I, when we look at the oceans and the seas, I actually think what you're looking at is, the, is, is what is left over, the leftover results of, of the catastrophe of the flood. That's all going to be wiped away. Weather conditions, right? Won't be no more, we're we're in tornado season or going into tornado season. Won't be no more concerns about that. Earthquakes, right? There won't be any more concerns about that. Typhoons, tsunamis, you name it. It'll be the the weather will be, the weather conditions of the new earth will return to how it was in the beginning. Think about that. What all comes with that? There'll be no more pollution. There'll be no more messes. It'll all be gone and taken away. It'll all be cleaned up and fixed, restored, redeemed. And I also, I do realize, i save you the trouble of cornering me afterwards. I do realize the symbolic nature here. I do realize that there is something symbolic in this as well, right? When it talks about no more seeds. I know, I understand this because the by the sea, it also refers to the um, source of uh, of earthly rebellion and chaos and danger right it 's from the sea that the beast in chapter thirteen and verse one emerges. It is from the sea in um, daniel chapter seven or Daniel chapter seven. Let the four beasts emerge, right? And with them comes rebellion and chaos and, and destruction and danger. I realize that, that the sea and the turmoil of the sea and the constant beating of the sea against the earth and the, and the erosion and everything, I realize that it is symbolic of that. I understand that the, that the, the sea stands as a reminder of the power of evil. But this symbolic and or literal source of rebellion and chaos and danger, it will no longer threaten God's perfect creation. What is eternity? It's no more time. It's no more sea. It's also no more tears. Right by the time we get to chapter 4, he says he's going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. I love that phrase, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. You know, I like it because, and I'm not crying, I'm sweating.
1: <laughs> but I like
0: it, to, I like it because it's a very personal thing. I think the picture that's trying to be conveyed is, is like the loving, compassionate mother who is wiping the tears away of her child. But anyways, it tells us that he is going to wipe away all of her tears. speaks of an eternal comfort and joy, right? There'll be no more tears, not tears of sorrow. I think the next few things that we see here explain why there's no more tears. See, the very next one is there's no more death, right? A land where we will never grow old and feeble right? No more, no, have you thought about that? There's no more tears because there's no more death, there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more suffering, right? No more death. Uh, where we never grow old, like we, we like to sing that song about that, but have you ever thought about the implications of that, right? No more nursing homes, No more hospitals, no more uh, rehabilitation centers, uh, no more, none of that stuff. It's all done away with. No more graveyards, no more cemeteries, uh, no more. Hey, no more uh, COVID, no more pandemic, no more epidemic, no more. It's the end of all of it. That's something to be excited about, church. Hallelujah. No more. So what does eternity mean? It means no more time, right? No more sea, no more danger, no more uh, chaos, no more rebellion, uh, no more tears, no more death, no more sorrow, right? He specifically says that here in verse 4 when he says, neither sorrow, right? No more sorrow. No more sorrow because the, the entrance of, of sin into the world, Right? The scripture says we are brought into this world through the sorrow of childbirth, and we live through the sorrow and we live lives filled with the sorrows of sin and disappointment and sickness and death. Right, Genesis three fifteen uh He says, unto the the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and and thy conception. And in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Right? The curse is broken. It's no more. These things will be non-existent in eternity. God's people will be an eternally happy people. The universe... Will be cleansed from all of the effects of sin. I guess I keep talking about and dancing around, and I might as well say, no more sin. Think about what that means no more disasters, no more destruction, no more thorns. No more thistles, no more. We were talking about over lunch making garden. Well, there won't be any more soil that's bad for making garden, right? No more unfertile or unproductive soil, right? Uh, uh, it'll all be a good garden spot, glory to God. Uh, I think about them thistles. Hey, I can remember whenever I lived home, lived at home, right? We lived on a little farm, beef farm. And that was during the summer or the early part of the spring. That was one of the things I had to do is I had to go kill all them stupid thistles and my dad obviously thought then he was crazy about wanting to get rid of them but he'd make me go around, spray them all with these so right to where they died and then go back once they died and dig all the roots and everything up just so they could blow over from the neighbor's field the next year but anyways but them things will be gone no more no more thistles, no more thorns Went hunting, deer hunting. Took Jake deer hunting on Jimmy's farm. Jimmy's not here, so I'll talk about it. Matter of fact, we went down there and hunted on his farm last few years. Two years ago, not this last year, but the year before, Jake got his first chance at killing a deer. And uh, according to him... Right, he was, I'd set him on one side of the hill and I was over on the other side. That was the first year that he'd out by himself. Oh, hi, Jake. I forgot. You're back there, aren't you? Jake, according to Jake, I'm sure it's 100% accurate, it's a big buck. He takes aim at it and he shoots and he just knows that he shot it. But the thing runs off. So he's got, there's me, Jake, Abby, and Jimmy, Jimmy's son Ben, and Jimmy's dog. We're all out there on that hillside looking for that deer. At first, I've I become convinced that he had not hit it at all. Then we found just a little bit of blood. Never was a lot of blood, but we found just a little bit of blood. Now, I'm not sure how he'd done that, unless maybe there was a little buck fever involved. I'm not sure. But anyways, we looked and looked and looked all over that hillside. And I have never, never in all of my life have I seen a briar patch like Jimmy has got over there. Jimmy knows how to grow them. And I got around there and had went up the hill and down around and off of this real steep part. I mean, it was like uh, I just about had to be been a rock climber to get back up and I didn't want to go back up. So I was trying to come on, kind of make a circle and back around where they were. And I encountered this, this legendary briar patch. And I thought, well, if this was a buck that was hit going somewhere to die, this would be a good place for him to go to die. And I don't think I'd have done it for a deer of my own, but... I really wanted Jake to find that deer and I have never in all my life I mean, I, look you're looking at somebody that grew up in the country um, I didn't have friends around to play with it wasn't like I went to the neighbor's house and played basketball or anything like that I spent all my time in the woods and I've been some pretty rough places before. My grandpa was a, was a big coon hunter. That was one of my favorite things to do of a, of a night, you know, to go coon hunting with him uh, in the fall and stuff, you know. And so, I mean, I had just, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the woods, but I've never encountered a briar patch like that. For the first time in my life to get through that thing, I am literally, now look at this this big old fat boy, all right, or this short round boy, right? I, I mean, you can, any direction is about the same, but anyways... I had to crawl or roll or whatever you want to call it on my hands and knees through that briar patch. And if you'll remember from them, I had a big old cut across my face from it. I'm looking forward to that day when there ain't no more, right? (laughs) There ain't no more briars. There ain't no more thorns. None of it. It's all gone. It's a new heaven. A new earth has been remade. It's perfect. Glory to God. And we get to spend all of eternity on it. All of eternity in the presence, in the immediate presence of God. So, no more sin. With it, the curse, right? No more of those thorns and thistles. But along with that is no more hunger and no more thirst. Right? No more deserts. No more long stretches of desert land that doesn't have any water and can't grow anything, right? Uh, uh, No more famines, right? No more people starving to death because of a lack of food, right? With that comes no more uh, uh, disease, no more decay, no more uh, 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 erosion, and no more death, right? Uh, uh, Along with that, as we look at the, the things of this world, right, no more drug addiction, no more alcoholism, no more adultery, no more hatred, no more sin, and everything connected to it. It's gone, Forever. So that leads to one more thing. No more pain. Right? No more pain. No more suffering. No more sickness. No more arthritis. No more hurt from loss. No more pain. I love this portion of, of Scripture. You see, because the older we get the more that pain becomes a part of life, becomes a way of life. Yes, physically as we age, we feel pain uh, that we didn't used to feel. But also, the older you get, the more of your friends and the more of your family that pass on, the more people close to you that you lose, the more that you miss. You know, someone said, if you can't endure pain, then the only choice left is to die yet. The longer the Lord leaves you on this earth, the more pain. More pain, both in this body, but spiritual and emotional. Uh, I, I think about, you know, some of the emotional things, missing people, but the spiritual things. Man, if you look out and look at the world, and you see what's going on, does it not trouble your soul? Does it not hurt you? Does it not, I mean, does it not grieve you? Is there not a spiritual pain in that sense? I look at the difference just between now and just a few years ago, right? What is that, maybe 14, 15 years ago when I started preaching? 2006, whenever I got saved? I can't believe how rampant sin is can't believe the things that people do uh you know this uh, all this stuff that goes on with the homosexuality and the transgenderism and the you know gender you know identity and and all of those things it's an abomination to god don't mistake me be mistaken about that but there's also these are people these are the souls of people who is Deceived, who was hurt or hurting, who was—I I can't even, you know—I don't even know or imagine what all's going on. But I mean, there's absolute—my my spirit is troubled for them and by them. And you know, they have—they have the opinion. Right? The people of this persuasion, of that persuasion, has the opinion that we hate them, that Christians hate them and the church hates them and God hates them and all that things. But that's not so. That's not so. As a matter of fact, my own feelings, I'll just share my own heart and my own feelings, is not a, is not a hatred. It is a sadness for them. I weep for them. They are destroying themselves. They're destroying their life. They're destroying their mind. They're destroying their soul or their, their body. And they will, if they continue down that path, destroy their soul and an eternity in hell. As a matter of fact, this last few verses that I read to you, verses, uh, well, really it's verse 8, but where it t- says that the fearful, unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the idolaters, all liars are going to have their part in the lake of fire. Uh, in brimstone, which is the second death which burns eternally, there's a lot a lot of people, and some of them are people that you a lot of them are people you know. Some of them are people you're related to and you care about, who if something does not change, this is the path where they're headed. And in this life, on this side of eternity, it pains us. It, bring, it should. It brings me pain, and I think it should bring all Christians. It should trouble our souls. We should, we should hurt. Think about this new Jerusalem and the new earth and the new heavens. You know, this will be. One of the things when I talk about all this junk and this uh, that's going on in society, that was one thing that was always very difficult now we always sent our kids to public school but um until covid anyways we always sent them to public school but that was one thing that me and jennifer always went back and forth every year i mean so many years we got this close to either sending them to the christian academy or homeschooling them because of the stuff that we knew that they would encounter and we would go back and forth and for one reason or another we would eventually not do that When I think about this new earth and this new Jerusalem, and this will be a perfect place for God's children, right, to to dwell. Now, I realize that, you know, we're not going to be raising babies then like we are now, but but it's where we will dwell for all of eternity, and it will be a perfect place without all of those things. For the former things are passed away. Passed away means that these things that bring about the tears and the pain and the sorrow in this life, will no longer be. And the memories from those things will no longer bring tears in eternity to come. Like the song says, what a day, glorious day, that will be. So maybe, maybe the point of all of this message, I thought it was to talk to you about eternity. But maybe really what it is, is to tell you that no matter What you may be going through right now, it won't last. It won't last. Whatever you're going through, what I mean by that is the the heart, whatever's bringing you pain, whatever's bringing you sorrow, what is bringing you tears, the loss that you've suffered, the ones that you miss, whatever it is that you're going through, it won't last. It will not last if you are in Christ. Because one day we will be in eternity, right? And there will be no more rebellion, no more chaos, no more seed, no more time, no more sin. all the consequences of it, no more crying, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain. For the former things are passed away. And all things right are made new. So with Zephyr plays a song of invitation. I really don't know how to end a service like this. So I'm going to ask, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. But I'm going to open the altar and give you an invitation to come. If the Spirit of God is dealing with your heart, would you come tonight? Maybe you've got a burden for somebody. Come and pray for them. Maybe there's some things going on in your life uh, uh, and uh, You don't know what to do, where to turn, what to think. Why don't you come and lay it at the feet of Jesus? Maybe maybe you would like to just come and pray. Maybe you want somebody to come pray with you. We'd be glad to. Maybe you've uh, you've realized for the first time that you're not sure where you stand with God. Or maybe even worse yet, you know that if you were to die, you would not make it to heaven. I'm going to beg you to come tonight before it's too late. Whatever the need is here tonight, don't miss this opportunity. Would you cup?